Welcome everyone to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Bodcher. Terrific. Now this episode is part three and the conclusion to Jim Corbett and the Man-Eating Leopard of Ruta Pryag. Last time we covered the uh, many missed opportunities Jim had while hunting the Man-Eater, and we're actually going to have several more missed opportunities on this episode. <laughs> wow. But we also will have the conclusion. Oh. When Jim finally gets a little bit of luck, and he's finally able to kill what the locals call the evil spirit. It's another roller coaster of a story filled with twists and turns, and I'm really positive that you are going to enjoy. Ooh. We hope everyone enjoyed last episode, part two. Some absolutely crazy things happened there. Remember, Jim shot the wrong leopard, the... Leopard evaded all kinds of booby traps, survived cyanide, uh, escapes a gin trap. It, it's absolutely insane that the, the things that this leopard did to evade Jim. It, it yeah. really is a, a Houdini leopard. Yeah. But so definitely go back and check that and listen to it if you haven't yet. Uh, it would be helpful to go to listen to them in order, but you don't have to. But yeah. <laughs> it's not required, but it's recommended. But it's really a crazy story, and the crazy has not ended yet. No, no announcements at the top of the show. So, you know what? Let's uh, meet up with everyone's favorite cheetah, Professor Cheetor. Good afternoon, gentlemen. While I really enjoy these Jim Corbett stories, last episode you left me on quite the cliffhanger. Don't you know that cheetahs are afraid of heights? <laughs> uh, actually, no. I did not know that. I guess it makes sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense either. that cheetahs would be scared of heights, but uh, we might need to fact check that one. I don't know. <laughs> uh uh, as always, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into us. We've been doing really good, and it's really awesome that everyone that we have all the listeners we do. And if you enjoy the show, something you can do is something you can do to contribute is go to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use. Give us a review. Give us five stars. Say something you like about the show. The ratings and reviews really do help our podcast gain more attention and gain more listeners. Uh, they definitely mean more than you would think. So please go ahead and do that for us. Also, Dave, at the end of the show, we have a few shout-outs and a few super, super shout-outs. Our, our favorite nice. kind of shout-outs. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's get going. All right, let's I'm do it. going to get right into it this week. So last episode, we talked about Jim's many failures and missed opportunities to kill the terrifying man-eater. And there were many of them, plus uh, this leopard pulls out some like Houdini stuff, some Houdini escapes. Uh, this leopard has somehow avoided booby traps, survived uh, cyanide poisoning twice, escaped a gin trap, which, remember, is like a bear trap. And remember, the, the gin trap that it escaped, when they were carrying it, they dropped it and it broke off one of the teeth on the trap. And when, they, when the leopard stepped in the trap, it closed... But it closed right where that tooth was missing. Isn't it crazy? It's ins yeah, it really is. It's it's remarkable. So the leopard was able to maneuver itself and escape out of the trap with barely any wound on its leg. Wow. Uh, and it, I think that's the most crazy escape. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> uh, and then Jim also, he, would, he sat down on a bridge for 20 nights and never saw a leopard. Never saw the leopard at all. Yeah. Oh, and Jim also did catch a leopard and shot it, but it was the wrong leopard. Ooh. It's amazing how so much could go wrong for Jim. Yeah. In last last episode, and he's it's gonna continue on for a little bit. <laughs> wow. But uh, luckily, Jim is very persistent and will not give up until he finally kills this man eater, 
that has terrorized this region for eight long years. Wow. All right. Well, Dave, before we get going, we obviously need to do something first. Okay. Well, we obviously got to go back in time. Let's do it. Let's hop on our time machine. Sometime. Somewhere. All right. And we are basically picking up where we left off last time. Okay. And remember, this whole story comes from Jim's book, which is almost 200 pages. And I'm going to be doing a lot of condensing and put it, um, putting things into my own words. I believe that that just helps the story. In our format, it just helps it. Uh, Helps to get going and uh-huh. it makes it as easy as possible, I think. Yeah. What do you say we get going, Dave? Let's do it. After the events of the e- evening where the leopard escaped the gin trap, Jim doesn't try again for a few days. Okay. The man eater had not killed anyone in this time, but made at least one attempt to break into a home, but was unsuccessful. Ooh. It did, however, kill a goat in the area, but that was all. Well, that's promising, getting yeah. off of human flesh. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so, a few days later, Jim found pug marks in the area. He was given a goat to use as bait, so he tied up the goat and sat in a tree to wait and hope that the man-eater would come by. The goat wasn't calling out like Jim wished it would. You know, the goat they want the goat to make noise, yeah. like maybe distress noise to trigger the leopard to come over. So Jim, who is an expert at making animal sounds decides to call the leopard himself. Nice. We've talked about his animal sounds before. Yeah. And it's this is also the tail end of the mating season for leopards. Oh, okay. In one in one of our Jim Corbett episodes we talked about how good he is at calling. One time he was making leopard calls and another leopard ended up thinking it was a real leopard and almost shot Jim because of it. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. So, on this night, Jim makes some calls, and to his delight and his surprise, the leopard answers him about 400 yards away. Now, it's a very dark night, and Jim is up in a tree around among a rocky jungle. Just picture a rocky jungle. He called again, trying to lead the leopard his direction. The leopard called back, now... 200 yards away. Oh. Three or four minutes later, the leopard called again, now 100 yards away. Jim had his electric torchlight that we've talked about before. Yeah. And he had his, his had his thumb on the light button, and he was prepared, prepared to shoot if the leopard was to get closer. The leopard called again, now 60 yards away. Just then... Another leopard, a different leopard, calls out. Oh. This one is a female leopard, a real female oh. leopard. The man-eater cuts across going in the direction of the new lady leopard. Oh. To be fair to Jim, our leopard probably thought that Jim's call and the lady leopard's call were the same, just that it kept moving. Okay. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. The next call from our leopard was now over 100 yards away. So it is moving away from where Jim is. Darn. (laughs) He needs to work on his call so he can sound more like a sexier leopard. (laughs) Sexier leopard. I'm the sexier (laughs) leopard. (laughs) He kept hearing them call to each other, and then it went silent for a bit. Then he heard them both making noises together. (laughs) 
It honestly feels like this leopard is just rubbing rubbing it in on Jim, right? No pun it escapes. <laughs> it escapes all Jim's attempts to kill it. Now it's banging Lady Leopard and making Jim listen to it. <laughs> the leopard's kind of a dick. <laughs> but, but Jim doesn't go after it and spends the rest of the night in the tree listening to the leopards doing it, essentially. Uh, when leopards or all big cats, really, it is not a very romantic affair. Oh. Uh, when mating comes, when it's mating time, it's a uh, very rough to say the oh, least. Okay. Uh, let's put it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so another missed opportunity for Jim once again. Oh. That's that is wild though. What are the odds yeah. of that happening? Yeah. Well, after this, Jim lost. Uh, touch with the man eater for several days. Ah, the next and so yeah, so he loses, um, lost touch with it for a while. So we're gonna we're we, I skipped a bit here, but the next chapter in the book is titled "My Night of Terror." Oh, it's boy. very interesting. Ooh. So let's get into it. Several days later, Jim received a report that the man eater had killed a cow. It's believed to have been killed by the man-eater because it tried to break into the home. Gee. But was unsuccessful, so it settled for a cow instead. Okay. Some men met with Jim uh, to escort him to the kill a few miles away. One man told Jim something quite interesting. So, according to this man, the leopard had only started breaking into homes about three years ago. Hmm. Before that, it was very content uh, taking people outside of their homes or enter homes that where doors were open. Oh. The man tells Jim that the leopard has, on occasion, when it couldn't break into a door, either dug under or dug through. Wow. The, you know, most of them are like kind of like mud huts in yeah. some ways. He would dig th- under or through these homes to try to get to people that way. Wow. It's incredible, huh? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how thick these mud huts are, but it would be interesting to find out. Yeah. They take Jim to the dead cow, which is in a deep ravine, a quarter mile from the Pilgrim Road. Jim scopes out the area. There is no tree for Jim to climb, so he picks out a spot where he will wait for the leopard to return to the kill. Under some small trees, about 30 yards from where the dead cow is, uh-huh. there was a rock with a hollow base, and he decided he would sit there in the hollow. Hmm. Normally, he would hide up in a tree. Yeah. But there is no tree available, so this is what he's got, and he's got a clear view at the cow, so okay. he's settling on this. Uh, the men r- were really, they really objected to him sitting on the ground like this. Oh. <laughs> But Jim, you know, he's made up his mind and sends them back home, telling him to come back at first light. Type of he does that almost all the time. Okay, sends the men away and then tells them to come back at first light. His seat was dry and comfortable, with his back to the rock, and a bush to the and a bush to cover his legs. Uh, Jim is very confident the leopard won't see him, and Jim actually at this time feels that this spot. His chances of killing the leopard were better than any he's previously had. Oh, okay. So he's pretty pumped up that this is this is it right here. Wow. So Jim sits here for a while until it gets gets dark outside. He thought the leopard would arrive around dusk, but it has passed that time. 
And since it's dark, he can't see well, you know, obviously at all. And when you can't see it in the dark, it and you, you're hunting a leopard, a man-eating <laughs> leopard, it causes some uneasiness, right? Mm, yeah, you, I would think so. As you would imagine. Jim begins to get a bit paranoid, I believe. Oh. He starts thinking that maybe the leopard has been watching him this whole time and licking its lips in anticipation of burying its teeth into his throat. That's oh the stuff that's going through his mind wow. right now. And for the he knows that the leopard had not had human meat in quite a while. You sound like he's getting he's going mad. <laughs> he, a little like it, it, <laughs> he didn't say that in the book, but that's why I interpreted. Yeah. It sounds like his mind is wandering a bit too much, which would happen to anyone, I believe. Yeah. The night gets darker now as a cloud as clouds cover the stars and it begins begins to rain heavily. I feel like this has happened to Jim several times. The rain has really screwed up storms have screwed things up for him quite a bit. They did last episode and now this one. Yeah. Jim hears noises seemingly coming from all directions. Oh boy. And he is basically blind. He can't he could barely see his hand oh. in front of his face type of blind. He does have the shooting lamp on him, but he fears if he turns it on the leopard would instantly attack. Oh wow. If it was there. Oh. Jim is so worried that the leopard is near him, he wraps his coat around his neck to protect his throat. Wow. That's where he's at right now. Gee. It's a good move. Yeah. It's a good move on his part. His finger on the trigger of the rifle, and he even pulls out his knife as his wow. like, side weapon, just in case. So he's, he's going through some things right now. <laughs> and I feel like he, he God, I, feel, I just feel like he's paranoid. Yeah. But rightfully so. Uh, I think we all would be in this type of situation. So he uh, debates if he should stay where he is or if he should get up and walk away. He isn't even sure if the leopard is, is there or not. Mm. If he leaves there, if he leaves, there is a chance that he could run into the leopard. And if he stays, maybe he could get a shot off. But staying puts strain on him that he could no longer stand. Oh, wow. So he sits there and he, he can't take it anymore. So he gets up and he leaves the area. He walks about 500 yards, rifle and knife in hand, ready for, for anything. He gets close to the village and lets out a cooey, which we've previously said that's what he does to communicate with the village and other people. Mm -hmm. This notified the men in the village and they come out. Uh, Jim spends the night in there in the village. Okay. It was too much for him. And uh, in the morning, he goes back to the kill, which was left untouched. Oh, okay. So the leopard was most likely never even there. <laughs> Makes sense. And I think this is really puts over how mentally strained this has been for Jim. Wow. Uh, hunting the man-eater is messing with him. Yeah, I wonder if their ghost stories are getting to him about it, you know? Yeah. And he says in the book, and this is a quote, I have been frightened... Times without number, but now have I been frightened as I was that night when the unexpected rain came down and robbed me of all my defenses. Oh. This is his night of terror. That's what he says. Wow. And he didn't even see the leopard. Jeez. Isn't that, that, I find that quite interesting. Like, yeah. 
never even sees the leopard, never hears the leopard, but he th- he's, it's all in his head. Yeah. There's no evidence that the leopard was really there. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Jim regroups in Rudapriag for a few days, and no news of the man-eater has come out recently. He visits many villages trying to find out if... You know, just visits them, trying to find any evidence if the man-eater has visited any of them, if it's broken into any homes. Jim was having a late breakfast when two men arrived and reported that a boy had been killed the previous evening. Ooh. It uh, had been killed at a village 18 miles southwest, or excuse me, southeast of Rudapriag. Mm. After hearing uh, the news, Jim packed up and went with the men on what Jim describes as one of the most difficult walks he had ever been on. Wow. 18 miles through dense... Dense jungle, going up up and down ravines constantly. I wow. Can see there was a lot more to his, that part, but I had to kind of skip over it. He finally gets to the village, and he meets with the headman of the village, who tells him the story of what happened. Now, the date here is important. Okay. The date is April 14th, 1926. It's an important date because this is the last human kill the leopard has. Oh, okay. This is number 125. Wow. Reported, of course. There could be more. This is the 125th reported kill. Let's find out what happened. So a widowed woman, her two children, as well as a neighbor child, were walking back to their home, which is in the middle of a long row of homes. The neighbor child was in the front, leading the party of four, and approached the steps of the home, followed by the young, a young girl, and then the widowed woman was next, and her son was in the rear. The mother was halfway up the short flight of steps, and she hears heavy, a heavy brass vessel that her son was carrying crash to the ground. She sets her vessel down, uh, about to get mad at him for being so careless, and dropping it, she turns around, picks up the vessel he dropped, but the boy is nowhere to be found. She first thinks that he might have ran away and because he didn't want to get yelled at, which is something that kids do. That makes yeah. sense. But she begins shouting, uh, shouting his name, yell, calling for him to come back. Curious neighbors come to see what the problem was. It, all, it was also getting dark now, so it's, it's about dusk time. It's a good time for a leopard to attack. A little early, but not unusual. Uh, a man lights his lantern and spots blood near the steps. Oh, no. Another man followed the blood trail, and after a bit, he sees pug marks on the mud of the leopard. Ooh. Now, up to this point, no one suspected it was the man-eater. Now, this village had heard of it, had heard of the man-eater, but the man-eater has never come to this village before. Yeah, well, it seems pretty far from where it is. was expected. It is. Uh, when the man returned with news of the blood and pug marks, the mother broke down crying. The villagers did go after it this night, uh, some with guns, and they even fired shots, but they never found the leopard or the boy. Oh. The next morning, they did find the boy's body, though, oh. and the two men... Then went off to find Jim. Okay. And that's where we're at. What's amazing and also terrifying is how stealthy 
this leopard is. Yeah. How it's amazing how he, it can uh, take a child yards away from its mother and she never even hears a thing. It's it's like a someone doing a meme with Thanos snap or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> it's like, turn around, my kid's gone. Yeah. Well, that's a good well. point. Like did Thanos just snap or is, <laughs> did a leopard take my baby? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's go back to Jim now as he arrives at the village and the headman takes Jim to the hysterical mother. She was actually really upset at the men of the village for not being able to save her son. Aww. She was seemed like she was mostly upset when you're in that amount of hysteria. Yeah. Any, yeah. So Jim, in a polite British manner, tells her that there was nothing that the men could have done. Mm. For when the leopard clamped its teeth around the boy's throat, the canine teeth dislocated the head from the neck, and the boy was already dead. Oh. Uh, there was nothing that the men could have done. Jim also remembers the, the poor mother repeatedly crying, What crime did my son commit that he deserved to die in such a terrible way? Mm. Very sad. Yeah. It really is. Uh, also... The leopard carried the boy through the courtyard of the village, and no one saw it. Gee. And it even went undetected by the village dogs. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. One stealthy cat with a boy in its mouth. Wow. And things like this uh, really add, things like this will kind of add to why people think of it as a supernatural evil spirit. Yeah. How it could do such things. But Jim... Jim, uh, the men take him to Jim, sorry, they take Jim to the boy's body and it hadn't been eaten. Huh. So uh, the leopard dropped the boy when it got scared off from the men chasing it. Okay. Because they were firing guns in the air. So it got scared off and left the boy there. Um, Jim takes the boy's body back. And Jim believes the leopard would go back to the kill. And when he couldn't find it, he will return to the village for another victim. Oh, boy. This leopard killed the boy so easily, it makes sense it would come back for, you know, another easy kill. Yeah. Jim decides he will now set up on the veranda of the widow's home. A veranda is kind of like a platform or like a deck. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, the, The widow and daughter are obviously taken somewhere else to spend the night. Jim laid on a bundle of straw by the front door to wait for the leopard to come back. Wow. It is now dark, and he told the village to stay in their homes and remain quiet. And once again, it seems to happen every time for Jim, some dark clouds roll in. Oh, gee. (laughs) There was heavy lightning and rain for about an hour. Uh, Once the rain stopped... Jim believed the leopard would now be on the hunt. And it's, a, it's once again, a very dark night. Jim sits on the veranda in the darkness. He hears something approach him. And it's very close. Like, very close. So close that Jim, he's wearing shorts. And he feels a hairy coat. Oh my goodness. Brush against his knee. Just as Jim is about to shoot his rifle... To cause a diversion, because he, he would have to adjust really quickly. Uh-huh. And the leopard might get him by then. So he's going to try to cause a diversion. So right when he's about to do that, a small animal jumped on him. 
It was a little kitten. <laughs> Good setup, huh? Oh, nice. Just a little kitten. <laughs> kitten soaking wet, and it was, it was caught in the storm, and now is looking for somewhere warm. Oh. Since all of the villagers have shut their doors and are being quiet, Okay. the, the kitten found Jim and cuddles up against him. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Nice. I thought that was funny. Um, as he recovered from the fright that the kitten gave him... <laughs> He hears something. Beyond the terraced fields, there was some low growling, which gradually grew louder, and then emerged into the most savage fight he had ever heard. Whoa. You're probably wondering what Jim means by savage fight, right? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Well, remember how I said that the man-eater had not been in this area before? This yeah. is outside of his territory. Well, the man-eater is a stranger in this area. It did return to the kill. The leopard did, the man-eater did return to the kill where he had killed the boy. Uh-huh. But while doing so, the man-eater ran into the leopard that claims this territory. Oh, wow. It ran into another male leopard. Wow. <laughs> Normally, when male leopards run into each other in the wild, they size each other up and try intimidating each other. And normally one calls it quits and bails before they get into a fight. But sometimes leopards, leopards got to fight and they fight for territory most or in females most of the time. This new leopard is not happy that the man eater is in its territory. Mm. <clears throat> the man eater, though old, was still a big and powerful male, very capable of holding its own 500 square mile territory. But now he's outside his area and he's a trespasser. Onto another male's territory. Jim hears the fight break out and knows his chances of getting a shot this night are gone. You know, he's not going to walk up on two male leopards fighting each other. Maybe that might work, but then you have two leopards to kill, possibly. So it's it's not worth it. If the man-eater had won, it wouldn't have the energy to go on a hunt after this. Yeah. And that's what Jim was thinking. Maybe maybe the man-eater will lose and possibly even be killed by the other leopard. Mm. Jim goes on saying the first round of their fight lasted five minutes. Wow. Uh, and he can't see the fight, but he he's hearing it. And that five minutes was fought with unbating savagery, but oh. no, no winner yet. After an interval of about 10 to 15 minutes, uh, round two started. <laughs> oh, wow. But about 300 yards from round one. And Jim believes the local leopard is winning uh, and driving the man-eater away. Oh. There was a third round. It was shorter, but no less savage. Big male leopards fighting for territory really is sad. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like no. videos of them fighting. It's, or have you ever seen lions and tigers? It's quite the same. Okay. Their, their fighting is really savage. Like they're, it's, it's fight to the death. Wow. Is what they're going for. Like, they want to kill each other. Gee. Uh, it went quiet again, but picked up for a fourth round. Wow. After a few minutes, Jim doesn't hear from them again. Uh, he knows he missed another opportunity. Nah. But hopes the now leopard may even have been killed. And hopes that the man-eater has been killed by the new leopard. It didn't. That, that oh, doesn't okay. happen, but... Part of me like kind of thinks that this would be an interesting ending. 
Yeah, that would be. Like, Jim doesn't even shoot it, but it, it was another leopard that did it. Yeah. Uh, part of me kind of wish that that would be the end of it. I mean, we still got another good part to go. But, like, it would be super interesting Yeah. to have that be the way it dies. Like the angelic leopard fighting the demon leopard. Yeah. <laughs> and now that that one, we call it an angel leopard. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but that's not what happens. Uh, the man-eater lost the fight, but as we find out later, comes off with really no serious injuries. Okay. Gets scratched up a bit, as we'll find out, but nothing bad. So Jim sleeps with the cold kitten there for the rest of the evening. <laughs> I don't know why. I just find that little kitten. <laughs> yeah. Kitten's funny. Mommy and Daddy were fighting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the morning, Jim tells the headman that the man-eater would no longer come to this region again. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah. Jim then talks about how he was depressed after so much failure he's had. Uh, so yeah. much. He says bad luck is what he attributes to his many failures. Well, sure, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. pretty true. Nothing is nothing has gone his way. So many missed opportunities that have just barely evaded him. The storms, the traps yeah. not working, the leopards, other leopards coming <laughs> into play several yeah. times. So just so much has gone wrong. So, Dave, we have finally reached the final chapter of the book. Oh, boy. Admittedly, I do condense a lot in this chapter, but it is titled A Shot in the Dark. Ooh. Hey, that's a nice title. It is a good title, and it, it proves to be true, as we'll find <laughs> out. Are you ready for the final act of the story? Yeah. Jim is back in Ruta Prayag now, and has been for a few days. His buddy Ibbotson. Remember Ibbotson oh. from last episode? What, I can't remember. Oh, yes, the one that got him the job. Kind yeah, of. kind yeah. of the one. And it's a good buddy of his, too. Yeah. They're they're good pals. And Ibbotson accompanied him on a few of his hunts previously. Uh, and he's kind of like the um, head... I can't remember the what the term was, but the head guy of the region for the yeah, British. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so it's his one of his first jobs was to rid get rid of the man-eater. It's one of his first jobs there. So, But him and... Uh, Jim are good friends, and he looks a lot like Jim. Oh yeah, yeah. They look, they wear the exact same stuff. Nice. The mustache is a little different. Their build is different, but bro twins, <laughs> mustache twins. Uh, but yeah, we've talked about Ibbotson a bunch last episode. But uh, upon seeing Ibbotson, it sparked a new life into Jim. Oh, that's good. Uh, they both had a lot to tell each other, and they 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 had been sending letters to each other uh -huh. during this time where they were away, but. Um, it's once they meet up, now they can tell everything to each other. Okay. And it's the first time they've seen each other in quite a while. And Ibbotson tells Jim about the clamor being made in the press back home on how the man-eater is still alive and the government asked for other sportsmen to go and try to kill the leopard. Oh, but, really? But no other sportsman said they would do it. <laughs> uh, they discuss their next course of action. Jim believes that the man-eater uses part of the Pilgrim Road at least once every five days. Okay. He's spent so much time there that he, that he has been able to come to this conclusion. Huh. Jim, uh, his plan is to wait at a certain point until he could finally get a shot off right near this road that he believes it passes once every five days. Okay. Ibbotson was worried about Jim and the toll that this has taken on him. Oh. But they both agreed that Jim would do this for ten more nights. Wow. 
If unsuccessful after 10 nights, Jim would return home and let someone else try hunting it. He would kind of call it quits. Okay. It's been such a, a long, exhausting thing for yeah. him. So. Jim and Ibbotson then go set up a Mackin, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of like a platform in a tree, like a little mini treehouse type of deal. But, but like one you could set up in like a couple hours. So they set one up on a mango tree a hundred yards away from the pilgrim shelter. Uh, and they then tether a goat to use as bait below the tree. They put a bell around its neck as well. And the bell is for when it gets too dark and Jim is can't see that the bell would sound and letting him know that the leopard yeah. is there. For the he's ne- got avocados to eat while he's up there too then. Mangoes. The oh, mango. Oh, yeah. there you go. Mangoes are good. <laughs> And mangoes, yeah, they'd be easier to eat. For the next ten nights, Jim sat in the tree, waiting for the man-eater. And during this ten-day period, in the daytime, Jim would go walk around and try to find pug marks. And he had found them several times Ooh. in the area, just not in his vicinity of the tree, but he's found them. Okay. So he knew the man-eater was in the vicinity. Also, during this time, it broke into two different homes. Oh, gee. And it killed a goat and a sheep. Uh, when Jim found the bodies, they were completely eaten, so they were of no use to him anymore. Okay. Also, the leopard, on one night, broke into a home with people in it. Fortunately for them, they had a second room in which they went oh. into, and the leopard couldn't break the door down. They went into like a bedroom, like it was the Gee. leopards in the living room trying to break down the bedroom door, but could not do it. So eventually, wow. called it quits. But they, while they were locked up in the bedroom, wow. So it has definitely tried to kill people. That's crazy. These 10 days were unsuccessful for Jim. He and Ibbotson discussed their plans. Uh, They're aware that no other sportsman had signed off on hunting the man-eater, though. Now, neither Jim or Ibbotson could afford to spend more time in Rudu Pryag. Ibbotson needed to return back to his job, and Jim had already postponed his work to do in Africa by three months and could delay no longer. Oh. Neither wanted to leave the man-eater here alive. It was, it was uh, very difficult for them to figure out what to do next. So what they agreed was that they would spend one more night and then come up with a decision the, next, the following morning. Okay. Luckily, they decided to stay that one more night. Because on this 11th night, Jim finally has luck in his favor. All right, let's do it. All right. Jim takes his position up in the mango tree once again. It's around 9 p.m. He hears the loud barking of a few dogs in the area. And they're barking out in one direction. And... Then they stopped for a few. He's pretty close to the village right here, right now. Okay. He's pretty. He's quite close, and he's close to the Pilgrim Road too. So, it, dogs are barking. Uh, they're barking one direction. They and then they stop for a few minutes, and they bark in another direction. Jim had a feeling they were barking at a leopard. Uh, the dogs now bark. They started barking again, but now they're barking in Jim's direction. The minutes feel like hours as Jim waited for the man-eater to go after the goat. The distance from Jim and the goat was about 20 feet. 
but it was so dark that Jim could not see the goat. And no storm is rolling in. It's just a dark night. No storm this night. He he just he know he senses the leopard. He knows it's it's near. I mean he's been wrong before about this. Remember uh-huh. his night of terror? Yeah, he's been wrong before, but there's something about this time. Uh, he knows the leopard is near. He he uh, he knows the leopard is near, and he he has his gun pointed in the goat's direction, but he, he can't see anything. It's completely dark oh. outside. So he kind of pulls a Luke Skywalker here. And right before he shoots, like you know, like Luke Skywalker, right before he shoots the Death Star, he yeah. closes his eyes and senses Obi Wan. <laughs> well, Jim kind of does that here too. Oh wow! He, um, now Jim has he, he also has his light torch on him, which has barely come up to play in any role in our in the story so far uh-huh. since he got it, and it was a, a first of its kind. And we we talked about it. It's kind of an electric. It's kind of a flashlight, like a really early yeah. flashlight, and it was running on batteries. Uh, the gym has never changed in this long period of time that he's had it on him. Well, he hears the goat's bell go off. Jim pushes the button on the electric light, which is basically dead. So, you, you know, when you press a, a turn on a flashlight that's dead, it'll go on for a split second and then turn right back off. Yeah. That's what happens here. Oh, wow. He aims his rifle. So, picture it. He, his eyes closed, aims his, opens them, aims the rifle. Hits the flashlight, for, and it's on for a split second. And in his sights are the shoulders of the leopard. Wow. And he fires. Takes his shot. And the light is completely gone now, not, not working. Wow. It was on for that split second. He was lucky that he was post right yeah. in the spot. He turns that light on, split second, boom. Sees the leopard in the sights, perfect. Wow. The light no longer working. Jim doesn't even, he doesn't know the result of his shot or anything. Oh. He can't see. So he listens for any sounds coming where the leopard had leaped away from. He, he heard it leap away, obviously. Uh, he knows the leopard didn't attack the goat. So it was just... It was just about to, but it it didn't attack the goat oh, yet, okay. and it was the leopard did not know of Jim's presence there in the tree. Okay. In a short distance away, he hears a gurgling sound, but he could not be sure. It was only ten p.m. now, and morning wouldn't be for several hours, uh, and he isn't going to look for the leopard in complete darkness that's dangerous yeah it's very because what if he hit it and wounded it that's a dangerous leopard right there or if yeah. he missed it and then the leopard might be there so it's very dangerous to do so jim lights up a cigarette makes himself comfortable <laughs> and he kind of just i'm sure he slept a little bit but he kind of just chills here until there's until um dawn when the sun finally comes up at dawn, Jim exits the tree. He is sure to give the goat a nice little pet and scratch, nice. too. Then sees blood and a blood trail. He follows this blood trail for 50 yards, where he finally sees the body of the leopard. Ooh. 
He recalls what he sees in the book, and what he sees isn't an evil spirit. He sees an old leopard with a gray muzzle. This animal was easily the most hated and most feared animal in all of India. Wow. And I like this part, he says, as a quote. It's only crime were not against the laws of nature, but against the laws of man. He had shed human blood with no object of terrorizing man, but only in order that he might live. And who who now was peacefully sleeping in his long last sleep. Wow. I like that quote. Yeah. That was, that was uh, quite good. It's not the laws of nature that he was doing, the leopard was doing wrong. It's the laws of man. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. He stood there for a while looking over the dead leopard. Uh, not for one moment did he doubt that this was not the man eater. He knew this was the man eater. Okay. A bunch of village men arrive at the scene. Jim tells them that the evil spirit is dead. And there's a couple other things that happened, but uh, they tied up the leopard uh, to the bamboo pole. You know, that what you think of. Oh, okay. On the yeah. shoulders. And they walk back to Rudaprayag, which isn't a very far walk from where they're at. Oh, okay. I like this part, too. Uh, Jim knocks on Ibbotson's door. Uh, Ibbotson jumps out of the bed, uh, flings the door open, sees Jim, the men, and the now dead leopard. Ibbotson was so happy, he embraced his good friend, gave him a great big hug, and danced happily around the leopard. <laughs> that's how. That's all he nice. says for it, but I was just picturing that sounds. It sounds funny and it looks yeah. silly. But Ibbotson shouted uh, for someone to uh, grab, hurry and grab some tea and get uh, get Jim a bath right now. <laughs> Ibbotson is really happy, let's put it that way. Well, yeah, he's in charge of the area, yeah, so now so his he, citizens are... Now feel so, safer. So he's done good. Jim Jim's done good. Ibbotson's yeah. done good. Uh, yeah, not one person, not even Jim, doubted that this was the man eater. Remember last time he got the leopard? Jim was the only one who didn't think it was, and he ended up being right. Yeah. There's no doubt here. This right is on. the man eater. But yeah, Ibbotson then immediately began sending telegrams to the government, to the press, uh, to his wife, and even Jim's sister. Oh, okay. Just keeps in touch. Jim says on this day, which is May 2nd, 1926, Ibbotson was the happiest man he had ever seen. Nice. <laughs> so this is the this is also the day that the leopard died. Okay. Uh, it's like it's like Ibbotson is the head of a police force and his department finally caught a high profile serial killer. <laughs> and you know, you're just gonna celebrate after that. Yeah. All the villages came to finally see the body of the animal that caused so much terror in their lives for eight long years. Needless to say, everyone is pretty happy. Yeah. Jim and Ibbotson then measure the leopard. And one thing that they never get the weight. They don't, oh, have, a, they don't okay. have a scale. I was kind of bummed. I really wanted, really was interested about the weight. Huh. They never got it. The length over curves, it was seven feet, 10 inches. Wow. Its teeth were worn and discolored, one canine partially broken. Hmm. Its whiskers were almost completely absent. Really? Wow. Yeah, that was that, I found that quite interesting. Also, many partially healed scars on its face and body. Uh, an old bullet wound in the pad of the left hind foot. Ooh. And part of one toe and claw missing from that foot. Okay. Remember that? Yeah. 
That was from the two men back in our first episode that shot on it uh, at the bridge in like 1921, very early on. Yeah. So on the same left hind leg was a mark, which was from the gin trap. Oh, wow. That was, you know, remember that was missing the tooth. Yeah. They, it left a mark on it. It's like nothing significant, but wow. they're like, yeah, it's definitely the man eater now. That's crazy. You're describing. You're like going backwards, describing everything that happened in the story, by them seeing seeing it on the leopard. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It really is crazy, and it's very interesting. So all evidence points that 100 percent this is the man eater. They lay the leopard down before skinning it, letting everyone come to see the dead man eater. When the when the village people visit an, in, an individual to show gratitude, it is customary for them to put flower petals cupped in their hands and to spread the, the petals over the person's feet. I don't know why, but that is customary for them. Okay. Jim had never witnessed such gratitude as he had received. As he listened to many of the villagers' tragic stories uh, on this day, his feet were covered with flower wow. petals. This is actually where Jim ends it. Oh, yeah? And this is oh. it. This is how... That's how he ends it. That's how we're going to end it, basically. Wow. I do have one more thing I want to want to add. So, yes, for the final thing of this um, this story, um, I want to say that in Ruta Prayag, which is still around, this is the most famous thing that's ever happened there. Oh, yeah. Jim Corbett, <laughs> yeah. And there's actually a commemorative marker that is exists in Ruta Prayag still today, and it's oh, a cool. It's a mon- little kind of a monument, a stone. Um, on, it's got a kind of a cool. It looks just like Jim. <laughs> you see this? I'm, yeah, I'm showing Dave a picture yeah. of it right now. But it's got um, you know, marble. And it's uh, of Jim Corbett, and then what it says on it is on this very spot was killed the man-eating leopard of Ruta Prayag by Jim Corbett on May 2nd, 1926. Wow. I'll, add, I'll th- put that on our social media so people can see a picture of it. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty cool. But it still exists, and now me and Dave are like, we got to go to Ruta Prayag yeah. and get a picture. <laughs> we should go on May tw- May 2nd and put pedals oh, on, man. On, on that. That'd should we go awesome. in 2026 to make it 100 years? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Probably take us that long to get there, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yes, that is the story of the man-eating leopard of Ruta Prayag. Nice. Uh, really incredible story from Jim Corbett. One of the cool, uh, one of the coolest guys in history, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I really put a lot of time and effort into these, doing this whole story as well. So I hope it showed and I hope everyone was entertained by it. Jim Corbett's stories are probably my favorite ones to cover. Uh, and someone needs to do a proper film on him already, Dave. I know. I mean, you said uh, Michael Fassbender would make a good one. Uh-huh. I, I think I agree with you. You could have Leo DiCaprio do it. There you go. Or me. Then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just kidding. I don't fit. I don't fit that that look. If you could grow the mustache and lose about thirty pounds, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they can hire you and I to be like experts on the film. Yeah, like, this is what Jim would do. This is what not Jim would not do. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it needs to happen though. But uh, as far as next episode, it is going to be our three year anniversary. Yeah. I'm thinking we can celebrate it with our 15th edition of Recent Animal Stories and Attacks. Sounds good. That, I think that's a good yeah. way to do it. And we will cover stories that have happened in the last four months. There's a lot of them. And uh, yeah, I know a bunch of good ones already. Somebody got eaten by a whale and spat out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
Jonah. There was a bear attack in Montana recently. I can't even remember them. I've got a list of them, but there's just a couple right there. Okay. Uh, so yeah, those are all, those are some of our favorite episodes to do anyway. Yeah. So that will be next. And Dave, we have some shout outs to give. Ooh. Not just shout outs, but super shout outs. Ooh. Let's get into them. First, thank you to Back Off Warchild. Back Off Warchild. <laughs> They said that they enjoy listening to uh, the show and like, they enjoy the uh, biology when we talk about the animals' biology. Oh, okay, right on. And probably how you really enjoy learning about the uh, penises of animals <laughs> and the sexual reproduction rates no and wonder. all that. Oh, it sounds like we're we're uh, on par with each other then, huh? <laughs> uh, also, thank you to uh, Michael Barra four twenty. Michael, Michael Barra four twenty. <laughs> They said that uh, their kids enjoy listening to us as well, and asked if we have. They asked if we covered Komodo dragons, and well, we the, did. Ans- the answer is yes. Uh, very early on, we did back in episode four. Wow, three years ago. I didn't realize it was that early. Yeah, episode wow. four. It was our first. I still remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. It was our yeah. first solo animal that we covered. What I remember most is that it was the inspiration for King Kong. Oh yeah, the going to com- the. I can't remember the man's name who went on. Their ships and they they found you know uh, the Komodo, were, islands yeah. of Komodo and they found these dragons there and yeah. like that was in the inspiration for King Kong. Yeah. I remember the ring. I like the story of the ranger. He walks oh, back yeah. and his dad's like, "What the?" the <laughs> Komodo dragon was under yeah. his desk and attacked yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm impressed you remember. <laughs> um, also, thank you, Moonkazi. Moonkazi. They said that they listen to us while they exercise, and they especially love the Jim Corbett stories. Yeah. Yep, that's that's definitely good. Uh, Now we have the best type of listener. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, Of course, these people, these are people who donate to the show, and we are going to give them a super shout-out. Super shout-out! First, big thank you to Steve and his daughter, Amelia. Steve and Amelia. They said that they both enjoy the show enough to donate. Well, that's great. Hey, right on. Uh, thank you very much for doing that. It, it's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's one donation we need to get to give Jim Corbett's uh, memorial. At, uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're saving up to go to Jim Corbett, take one picture in Jim Corbett, the, the Leopard of Ruta Priag Memorial. That's yeah. all we want in life right now. Yeah. So far, we've got a long ways to go. <laughs> uh, but last but not least, thank you to Georgiana. Georgiana. For their for her kind donation, uh, it was a very kind donation. Oh right! So on. thank you very much. We really really appreciate it. And uh, thank everyone you. who donates and reviews, uh, it means a lot. So yeah. thank you. So Dave, if anyone wants to join these lovely people, what can they do for us? Go to iTunes, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen to, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars. Say something you like about the show. Really helps us gain more attention, gain more listeners. If you really want to help us out even more, just take a shot in the dark and spend us a donation. Our <laughs> way on PayPal or Venmo. I think we should give you money just for coming up with a good line <laughs> every time on one of those. So good job, Dave. That's why I keep you around is for that one time, <laughs> that one line each yeah. episode. <laughs> so yeah, go to PayPal. You can find us by our email at forceofnaturepod at gmail.com or on Venmo, my personal account, Matthew-Hamilton-51. And all of that information is in the description below. And to all the listeners, feel free to contact us if you ever want to. I, we're coming up on our anniversary episode. If you have a cool story, uh, a cool animal-related story, send it now. And we'll yeah. try to fit it in for our anniversary episode next next time. But yeah, tell us a cool animal-related story of you or someone you know. 
or do you want to suggest an episode idea or ask a question or just want to say hi, feel free. You can uh, do that on email or message us on Facebook or Instagram. Also help us grow by recommending us to family and friends. Tell them we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify. We're literally on every platform that we need to be on. So yeah. tell them where to find us. Also, t-shirts are still available. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought of a I thought of a good line for remember last episode we thought we were thinking of a new shirt with a bear. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I wrote down, I, I have it right here. Where is it? So, okay. I was trying to think of it because we had eat salmon, hibernate. We needed one more line. I was gonna go eat salmon, scare humans, hibernate, repeat. Nice. And then like have a, have a little bear on there, a yeah. little, just like a little silhouette of a bear. I'm with that, that one might come in. That one might come in. So if you're interested in um, a bear shirt that says that, let us know, and we'll yeah. maybe we could push forward on making making some. But we also have our uh, Force of Nature T-shirts, which are still really. There's still a great T-shirt. Oh yeah, for sure. So if you want one, there it is twenty four dollars uh, plus shipping and handling. Um, if you would like one, all you have to do is message us on Facebook, email, or Instagram, and um, you can ask us. You can ask us whatever, but uh, we'll tell you what. Just tell us what size you want, and then we can work it out from there. Yeah. Um, and also, I still haven't gotten anyone. I'm still waiting for someone to do this. I am looking to get a cool saber tooth cat tattoo. So okay. um, if any of the listeners or artists can can draw a cool saber tooth cat and send them to us and send them to me and then I you know we can go from there but that would be really cool to see to get a bunch from yeah. some, from people so go ahead and do that um whew, I don't have anything to add uh, Dave do you no I'm good well how about you professor now Matt why should an animal that doesn't exist exist on your arm I think you should tattoo my face to your arm instead. <laughs> <laughs> He's no, got a, a tattoo of Professor Cheetor. <laughs> I mean, it would work because nobody would know what it is. It's I mean, a little like, nerdy, but it's super nerdy. Like a cheetah's <laughs> face wearing glasses, with a top hat, wearing a suit and tie. <laughs> That's pretty dope, actually. Maybe uh, I'll do it. Okay. Uh, send it's your, in your arm. Send, <laughs> in, <laughs> send in your Professor uh, Cheetor drawings, and maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends. Be a part of building us up. And we will see you next time. Bye.